Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From the center of the galaxy, this is a Force Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsok for another edition of Force Center, the main show, the big show, the superstar destroyer of our fleet, and the blockade runner of our attempt to save the galaxy from the Death Star. That's right. This is going to be probably a Rogue One heavy show and a Catalyst show. We're going to get into the book Catalyst as we are uh, building up and moving towards Rogue One, a Star Wars story in theaters soon. Some of us are going to see it all different points during that week, uh, so we're going to have a lot of fun. And with me, as always, are my two fellow rebels, even though I'm the one in an Imperial shirt today, Joseph Scrimshaw <laughs> and Jennifer Landa. I'm happy to be kneeling in the tentative for <laughs> waiting for mean people to come through the door. Absolutely, uh, Jennifer. And I'm ready to fight, even though this is not data bank brawl, where I normally <laughs> am ready to go. <laughs> That's uh, it's good, and such good reception to our Tito versus Tebow, yeah, uh, databank brawl. Yeah, a lot of big props for our special guest whiskey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whiskey. Uh, today my guest is energy drink, but uh, you know, you never know when whiskey will show up, guys. We are uh, we got a lot to talk about. This is Star Wars month. Mm-hmm. It's a big time for yeah. Star Wars fans, and we get to do this often now, which is a debate in itself. We'll ever lose luster. Um, I'm of the uh, opinion that one Star Wars movie a year is enough. Others, others think two will be fine. Um, but uh, I'm asking this before we get the news to you guys. Is 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 two movies a year? Will it take away like special December Star Wars month, May Star Wars month, or or, or am I wrong? Mm, I lean toward I would like the movies to be once a year, right? Unless there's some special confluence if they have like two trilogies going and it happens to work out great. But yeah, I okay. do want it to be a little bit special. Right. I like I like where we are right now, where we have just a ridiculous amount of content, books, comics, TV right. shows. So it's, there's never any Star Wars lull. But then there's this big spike of excitement when the movie comes. Absolutely, that's, that's perfect to me. Yeah. Okay. And I have to remind myself that not everyone is you know knee deep in this like we are. Right. So they're just kind of like, oh yeah, that's right. There is a Star Wars movie coming out. I think one a year is perfect. If mm-hmm. anything, 
at a live action show. Give it yes. to us that yeah. way, but I think making two a year, it's going to be a bit much. Yeah. It takes away from the event of it. I think so. Now, again, it, not taking away anyone's fun if they want to movies a year. I know a lot of Marvel fans, and, and you guys are Marvel superhero yeah. fans yeah. as well in terms of going to the big cineplex and seeing these, but, uh, you know, all my friends are enjoying those movies five a year now, but even <laughs> then it seems like starting to get it. Here's the big difference to me. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. I, no this is what I want. Yeah, okay. I want. I wanted to drag you in with the superhero cape stuff. You can do it real easy. You can say like soup and then I'll be like, I have an opinion. <laughs> uh, no, the great thing about the Marvel movies and I would say the DC mm-hmm. television shows now, are they getting to that point of replicating their source material of comic books? Mm-hmm. Comic book, it's all based on this ongoing story that comes out month after month. That's where it comes from. So mm-hmm. to me, seeing a three movies a year feels like, cool, it's getting even closer to being like a mm-hmm. monthly comic book, except for it's a movie. Right. So that's awesome for me. But Star Wars is we really, I think, uh, drilled down when we talked about the time travel and the alternate dimensions. Yeah. It's about those big moments, those big choices that characters make. So it just feels like it's too much to keep coming. Right. Mm. Right. Right. That's a good point. I just think about how they recast some of the, you know, the characters from the TV shows now into the movies, which that's its own thing. I mean, are Star Mm -hmm. Wars fans going to be okay with that if you recast? Right. The Young Adventures of Luke Skywalker or something like that. Right. Hey, it's not a bad Netflix series. Just him going to Tashi Power Station to pick up power converters. Lonely rom com. (laughs) Hanging out with his Cammy and uh, all his friends there, (laughs) Fixer and everybody there. Uh, Sorry for the distraction. I just thought it's. The wonder years, it's yeah. been on my mind, and we talked about it on Jedi Council last week, and then um, I'm so excited for December. This month yeah. we're in now is very cool. I'm glad I only have to do it once a year, because you're right, all year. I just picked up, I, I got a little behind on my comics, and went to my comic shop yesterday, and I, 50 bucks on Star Wars comics, <laughs> wow. you know, like. It's funny, right? There's a lot to read. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, oh, the Poe Dameron comic with Tarix, have you read that no, yet? No, is it good? It's okay, good. so, ta- oh, man, this is so, we're going to get to the news, kids. <laughs> There's this character, Tarix, which just shows up in the Poe Dameron comic, and he's he's cool, like, okay. I, I like him. He's like an older guy, little mohawk action, um, got a, like, a Errol Flynn almost kind of, like. Like bad guy mustache. Nice. Um, it looks like you know you've been one of those, one of those guys who's like he's fifty eight, but he still can bench press pretty good. Like he looks like a good rugged old old dude, and uh, he's kind of chasing uh, for the first order. He's chasing Poe around the galaxy. But he flashes back, and he's a stormtrooper oh. uh, on Jakku. And I've seen some of this. This has been talked about in other areas, uh, other shows. But I finally got to got to get the issue in my hands, and once again, there is something on Jakku. Jakku. Oh yeah. That planet has some kind of giant secret that we're going to find out. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. I think There's Snoke is being cooked in the core. I think so. <laughs> I think that's the secret. He is the core of Jakku. Yeah. Just they have to dig him up. I think so. Oh, yeah. see? Well, see, I can live with that. If you can get a lot of exciting things like that every week as a Star Wars fan, then we are okay. And speaking of exciting things, there is, as we would expect, a lot of news going on in the Star Wars galaxy. And Jennifer Landa is here, as always, to lead us through that. Yeah, well, we wanted to talk a little bit about the press conference that happened today. I mean, yeah. it has been so many things happening happening, which is very exciting. And Joseph, I think you, you watched some of the press conference, yeah? No, it, the, I just saw tweets about it, and okay. then I, I looked at an article. I watched the the Facebook and the Twitter, some of the streams that happened previously, and, and I think that was a lot of, mm, not a lot of juicy things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then when I saw there was a press conference, I was like, I, I love Rogue One, I can't wait for it to come out. What the hell left is there to say <laughs> about this? Right. Uh, so I, I was delighted when I saw a new bit of news that uh, Gareth Edwards said that he had showed it to George Lucas. Mm-hmm. That Lucas loved the film. Mm. That's and that's great, and it carries some weight to me because 
I don't, and correct me if I'm wrong, you two, I don't get that sense that George had the feeling, the same feeling for Force Awakens. No. No. I no. think he, I looked this up to mm-hmm. make sure that I remembered it, you know, and he made his infamous selling it to white, <laughs> white slavers, slavers comment yeah. and then yeah. apologized hey. for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then it, the actual ding he took at the movie was they wanted to make a nostalgia piece. And I wanted to make something new, right? And that, that, so he had said that, which is an actual like, mm, yeah, he's mm-hmm. siding with mm-hmm. fans. Like and Cameron kind of backed him on a little bit on that. I yeah, guess. he got the experience that he always wanted to watch a film as a Star Wars fan, <laughs> and then attack the creators for not doing it right. So he finally got his dream come true. Oh. He did apologize for that as well when he came out and said, "Yeah, that I apologize for white slavers and creatively, financially, everything. They're yeah. they're doing an amazing job with the property." Right. But I think the heart of it is that, yeah, I don't think he had a good time watching Force Awakens. Because I think it was more like, yeah, I would do it this way. Uh, Yeah. Whereas I think Rogue One is a a little bit more of what I think got him excited. It was like a little side story somewhere. Right. Because Kathleen Kennedy said, hey, the standalones, it's kind of George's brainchild. It makes sense when you watch Clone Wars that that's what he's interested in about what if this little weird thing happened over here. Mm -hmm, Right. mm -hmm. So I'm encouraged by that. Jennifer, are you encouraged by that? I am encouraged. He's not the type to give praise like that. And if Mm -hmm. Garrett Edwards actually said like that he that he loved it, you know, that is pretty huge. Yeah. Yeah. Huge. I'm sure that he as a filmmaker who has is such a Star Wars fan, I can only imagine how amazing that would feel to have the creator of Star Wars saying of the film. Could you imagine? (laughs) He also told him, I think, before, I think he visited them on set and he told Gareth Edwards, you know, one piece of advice, don't screw it up. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) I think that he did not screw it up, it sounds like. Yeah. It'd be awesome because I I think I told you a good story. I ran into George Lucas once at the Grove in in LA. Yeah. And and didn't say anything to him. I just got, I brushed his flannel, touched my shirt. Oh my gosh. Um, I knew it was him. I saw it. I couldn't believe no one else. He was talking to some some young young friend of his or something. I, I what, what, what if he we run into him one day and he goes, "Hey, I uh, I like that databank bra with the Tito." <laughs> oh uh, my god! I thought uh, Tebow would have would have lost. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would ask him for correction. <laughs> Say, if you were gonna if you were gonna redo it, what what would you do differently? Like yeah. I, that's what I'd want to know. Yeah. Absolutely. It, I think the other thing that's most exciting to me about this is it feels like Rogue One is really trying to hit this perfect balance of including a lot of classic stuff, but then introducing lots of new aliens, lots of new right. ships, mm-hmm. and I want to think it's that that Lucas liked is that it's not going backward too much. Right, 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 right. right. Well, that's exciting news, breaking news, so to speak, as we're recording here on this day. But uh, there was some other news during this week, uh, including that, let's just say it, horrible Twitter live, live Twitter event. (laughs) That was just, uh, I don't know what that was. But Jennifer, what do you have in the world of news? We could talk about that a little bit later. Um, So like we said, it has been a Rogue One media blitz this past weekend. And uh, first, in an interview with Collider, director Gareth Edwards talked about how in the beginning stages of pre-production, they actually took old photographs from the Vietnam War and World War II and photoshopped rebel helmets onto the real soldiers. And he said that they were pretty powerful and you immediately kind of connected with right. these quote-unquote characters and these okay. photographs and they actually showed those photos to Kathleen Kennedy and Disney and they looked at him and said okay go make that movie wow right 
I think that I would love to see those photos. Can someone make a replica? (laughs) But 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 why I'm laughing isn't you see those things kind of you can buy them as quote Star Wars art where it's like an ad ad on on Normandy or something like that. Yeah, that's a good point actually. I have one like that. Yeah, yeah. Or it's like uh, yeah, but uh, what's also I like there's a little bit of history there. Yeah, Um, Mm -hmm. I think you probably know where I'm going. You do where Lucas cut together shots of World War II dogfights. Exactly. This is the movie I'm going to make. I love that. Yeah, that's an interesting update since he was doing that during the Vietnam War for them yeah. to be like, yeah, let's look back. Yeah, let's mm. use the Vietnam. That's really interesting to me because I still don't know with even how much we've seen of this film, and I, I don't think many people do ultimately what the movie is. Because mm. right. war movie has been talked about a lot from the get go. Right. Yeah. At one point, heist was thrown around, and that's kind of gone. Mm-hmm. Right. But right. I'm, I'm so curious to see how much of a war movie it is. If it is at any point going to feel. Because, like, right now when I see the photos, it looks cool, but it looks like stormtroopers on a beach and they're going to have a space fight and that's awesome and I'm excited. Right. right. But it doesn't make me go, like, chilling. That's like Vietnam. Like, it doesn't, <laughs> right. it doesn't have that feeling of the bleakness of war, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Well, something that might uh, convince you is Gareth Edwards in this interview also talked about how they shot some of Rogue One like a documentary, like mm-hmm. they were, quote, embedded filmmakers in a war zone. Mm-hmm. And this actually left them with hours and hours of footage. And as Gareth <laughs> Edwards said, the problem with the Star Wars film is that it's so epic that trying to fit all the ideas you want into a two-hour film is a challenge. A 10-hour right. film might be better. Um, I'm so- Wow. Give me a 10-part Rogue One. I'll watch it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So I think that we will see some of those grittier elements. Um, But as far as whether or not we'll actually see any of that unused footage, he said, well, he's not sure if it's going to be on the Blu-ray. We'd have to ask Kathleen Kennedy. Well, we all know the answer now that it is going to be on the second (laughs) Blu-ray. Yeah, exactly. Not the first. The second. 3D, 4K, VR, Experience, Rogue One. Rogue One, 4K. What? Why today? VHS. Is it a race? What? I like this, uh, just even saying in the headline, film and Rogue One like a war documentary. Rewatching, I got on December 20th, I got the big trivia-ish Modown Star Wars uh, trivia contest against uh, Sam and Freddy with me and Campia. So I've been studying like crazy for it. And watched Attack of the Clones. And... um, you know, you and I were talking off, 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 uh, Mike Joseph. That as much as we love the prequels and the prequel era, there's some things in those movies that aren't uh, don't hold up. Some dodgy moments. <laughs> yeah, there's some dodgy things. moments. There's the some, British would say there's some things. There are there's some things that aren't wizard. Yeah, uh, as one would say. But one of the things, and I've talked about it before, but um, I love the battle on Geonosis. There's some amazing shots in there. That's mm-hmm. absolutely war documentary old absolutely. school footage. Yeah, shaky right. cam, the dusk. Shaky you cam. can barely see what's going on. The, looks the, like chaos. That zoom in to the second uh, uh, transport yeah. where Obi-Wan's on and everything. And then that one shot you talked about where it, it's from behind the clones and they're shooting towards the droid. And you just see nothing but shadows and laser bolts. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. And it reminds me of like, you know, Saving Private Ryan or that kind right. of stuff. Yeah. And if that is captured in some of the, the, the intense fighting stuff we've already seen in these little clips, I'll be, I'll be in this movie deep. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be there. It makes me uh, happy to know that they shot that much. There's got to be a little bit of that that we haven't seen that is a little bit more the, the pulse pounding. I'm hoping they're right. holding, holding back. We've, we've yeah. criticized a little bit as we do with, even with Force Awakens, we criticize the releasing too much, too yeah. much. And there's that, that stuff we were talking about last episode. But yeah, I'm, I'm hoping they're holding back something yeah. dramatic. I think yeah. they are. Yeah, I think they are too. I would love to see like the, you know, the trauma of war. And that's what Saving Private Ryan – 
Black Hawk Down, you know, all these movies, mm-hmm. they, they're so capture so well. I don't know if they yeah. can go that far with the Star Wars can, movie. Yeah, I don't you know, think they, they can go that far either, but I think they need, if they're going to give so much literal, put the idea of hope in characters' mouths, we need to see some of the hopelessness Absolutely. for that to be inspiring. Right, right. Like, yes. We need to see, oh my God, I really feel like Baze is going to be gored to death by yeah. something on the battlefield in a horrific way mm. for then Jin to say like, but remember hope, then it'll you know, resonate. It'll have right. some thing. And, and yeah, uh, you know, Chuck Wendig did so well in life that that little interlude scene of that, of the, that gave us the therapy Ewoks, uh. <laughs> that little chapter we've talked about is yeah. just, it's a, a realistic take on post-traumatic stress syndrome, stress syndrome, um, what it, the cost of war for, in, in a rebel soldier. And, and there's a precedent that with that you could do, I don't know if this is going to be the place, right. but who knows? Maybe yeah. a follow-up, a Rogue One documentary, like a Ken Burns-style follow-up to the war. Yeah. I don't know. Whoa. be interesting to see if they're ever willing to release, uh, like, the whole Batman v. Superman game in mm. R-rated, where mm. it's a little bit more intense. Right. <gasps> on disc. Mm. Oh, I'd like that. Star Wars R-rated special edition. <laughs> right, Nude Ewoks. What? Oh, one last thing I want to talk about that yeah. he, he briefly mentioned was he was saying that there is going to be, they had a meeting about the graphic novel that will accompany Rogue One. Mm-hmm. But I was, I thought that they canceled that. I think they pushed it back. Oh, so they I just think there was kind of a cancellation because we'd even heard Catalyst was canceled at some point, and that that was one of the only times I was worried. Like yeah. The reshoots. Oh, Catalyst is canceled. Oh, I got my I got in my head a little bit, but I think you're right. I think Joseph, they just kind of reworked things. Back. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on to the Q and A's on Twitter and Facebook. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. No. Um. It was <laughs> there was actually some great things that happened in the Facebook chat. Gareth Edwards claimed that he stole the actual. Death Star schematics prop from the Rogue One set. He said that he kept asking the props people where they kept the plans and if he could have it. And they said, no, it's going to be archived. No, director, you cannot have them. (laughs) Um, So he said that he just simply stole the plans to the Death Star. Of course, the cast played along and said that they would help retrieve the plans and give them back to Darth Mouse, a.k.a. Disney. <laughs> so uh, what did you guys think about the uh, live streams in general? What's the statute of limitations on stealing things from offices? <laughs> what, what is it? Why would you have something to... Uh... I totally understand where Gareth's coming from. Yeah, really? right. I recently left a uh, current... Uh, I, I left... I have a current job. Nice uh, stuff at Collider, Collider Video. I left another place, you all know, uh, for legal reasons. Now I'll, I'll redact it from the statement. <laughs> uh, we get a lot of cool things sent to us. There's a lot of things that come into those things, uh, those places of business. And um, sometimes they just sit around on a shelf collecting dust Mm. and you know that will look a lot better at your house (laughs) and that no one will miss it. There may be some men in black things at my house that are replicas for the movies that are, that are pretty solid. So, um, I, there was a hound's helm. I couldn't take, it was just too big, (laughs) just too big. And I got stopped by Dan Morrill in the hallway and I had to say, I'm taking it to storage, which I was. Um, (laughs) so I understand all jokes aside and facts of my thefts. Um, I, I totally understand that. And I like that Gareth Edwards, who was introduced to us as such a star Wars fan who at celebrations, Anaheim was like, here's my pictures from my 30th birthday to the set of Star Wars when I was 30 I went here the fact that he's like hey can I have that yeah I want to imagine that the plans I know they're going to do something fancier but since they're referred to at different times in A New Hope as tapes yeah I want Mm. to imagine it's just like the tiniest little mini DV recorder tape (laughs) that's kind of got some Star Wars design on it there's like an 
Imperial signal yeah. on it. But besides that, it's just like, it looks like his home movies from like 1997. And there is right. such a debate about, because I, uh, I mentioned it to uh, Jerry Johns was talking about, hey, the final scene of Rogue One, wouldn't it be cool if they're handing, handing over the data tapes? And I had to correct him because I've been corrected before. If, no, they were beamed aboard the ship. But yeah. you got to imagine they downloaded in some CD-ROM at some point. <laughs> And there's some Windows 98 being powered up, and the Death Star plans are in there, right? Like, it makes sense. Because you're right. In New Hope, they changed the way, much like Han and Han, there's (laughs) transmissions and tapes. Yeah, there's a lot of dancing, because we had the little disc that begins it all in Attack of the Clones that we saw. Right. And now we know more about that because of Catalyst. Right. right. Uh, But yeah, yeah, they're tapes. They're referred to as a noun, not just the information (laughs) that's on... R2. Right. Like, he's a tape. Like, he, like if his player had broken, yeah. he would have ate the tape well, of the plans like an old cassette. Yeah, and even Modi says you, you haven't been able to conjure up the stolen data tapes, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. So, I mean, the thing is, with props, they always make more than one. Yeah. So, if he just took one of them, ah, That's fine. It's fine. I mean, yeah. Maybe he did really take it. I didn't think that he would, but yeah, maybe he did. Um, so, yeah. Let, you know what? Let's talk about the reshoots. Okay. <laughs> Let's do it. Right? Were there some reshoots about Rogue One? There were some yeah, reshoots? I think oh, okay. so. There were. There were. Um, so one person who benefited greatly from the Rogue One reshoots is writer Tony Gilroy. Yeah. He was brought in to rewrite and help oversee the reshoots and was paid $200,000 a week, which is very standard in the industry, I right. guess. Um, he began in June, and it was supposed to be a short gig, but he ended up taking a lead role with Gareth Edwards in the post-production of the film. So he's going to be getting about $5 million total from his work. Um, his biggest contribution is supposedly the ending of the film. This story made me think about the first thing that we talked about, which is the hours and hours of footage yeah. and how mm-hmm. overwhelming that must have been. I mean, since Gareth Edwards is, a, you know, slightly newer filmmaker. Sure. So I can see why it would have been helpful to have somebody like Tony Gilroy mm-hmm. helping. I don't think that this is a bad thing, I guess is yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm, I like Tony Gilroy a lot, mm-hmm. and I think he brings something specific and good to Rogue One. Right. Um, you know, he's written all the Bourne films, and I don't know if you guys saw his film that he wrote and directed. Mm. It's like 2009. It's called Duplicity, oh, and it is a mm. it's a sort of yeah. rom-com espionage comedy thriller, mm. but it is very... It, the only thing that it was critiqued for, everybody loved the writing, everybody loved the acting, is critiqued for being too complex and nuanced. Oh. Mm. So it was like a little bit hard to get into because it had this structure of, of repeating. So you'd see scenes again and again. And then once you knew more, they would have a different context. So I think he's a, a real master of that kind of uh, very intelligent, very specific. How can we make this resonate? How can we make these pieces come together in new and exciting ways? Mm. So if he is taking a bunch of footage that Gareth Edwards got, a bunch of ideas, and Gareth Edwards got to that very understandable creative point of like, yeah, I don't know whether to go right or left now. <laughs> right. Right. Like, uh, he seems like a good guy to come in and really be sharp and precise. Mm-hmm. Right. So and they put it, it together like this. And, and hopefully it's money well earned. I think uh, the, the reshoots, like I said earlier, uh, worried me at some point being just a weird fan in his room alone wondering about Star Wars too much. But I, I, I like the idea of, hey, let's get it right. Reshoots are done on every movie. Um, and this headline of tackling several issues, including the ending, is intriguing to me. And ho- hopefully it's money well earned to get that ending right. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard some rumblings. Um, won't go into it. But, yeah, I think uh, I think they got it right. We'll see. We'll yeah. See. It's interesting. Some rumblings? Some rumblings. Yeah. Ooh. Rumblings of what, what that was. theory is still that it was mostly tone. Yes, yeah. I agree with yeah. that. 
Yeah. Um, they needed to add a boss nass peace orb. <laughs> Every film's got to end with some blue balls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, one thing that I have been a little bit worried about is been all the footage we've been seeing. And yeah. a new clip has emerged online, and it features Jyn Erso trying to rally the rebels. And we see a shot of Bail Organa. Um, and she's basically telling them... Uh, Spoiler. If, I mean, it's not really anything spoilery, but, you know, mm-hmm. if you don't want to hear anything, t- tune out for a second. She tells them that the time to fight the Empire is now. That's basically the clip. <laughs> okay. Um, so it was a great speech, <laughs> and it was a nice little shot of Bail Organa. I kind of am yeah. thinking that that might be the only scene that we see him in. Maybe, like, one more that's a quick little inter, you know, exchange, mm-hmm. but... Yeah. Not a lot. Hashtag think, need more bail. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, I think he and Mon Mothma are going to both be uh, Blu-ray fodder. Yeah, mm. I think so, too. Again. 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 Yeah. Oh, right. Um, right. I cl- you say, you know, uh, in, in, in prep for these episodes uh, out there listening to the audience, the wonderful Jennifer Landa gets, uh, gets these notes. She sends it to Joseph and I and says, here's what we're talking about today. And we click on them. We try to read them, try to have our own thoughts and opinions formed. And I saw you sent. Here's the clip. And I didn't click on it. I, my mouse hovered over that clip. And finally, before I left today and went over to my favorite restaurant, 7-Eleven, I <laughs> clicked that button. I watched that scene. I'm sorry. No, no. It's totally fine. It's our job. But uh, it's nothing new. We haven't no. seen. But it was pieced together. So now I know these two moments happen together or are or, or, or a scene. But I could have guessed that. Right. Um, but I got to say, seeing Bale, seeing that good shot, as we were talking, Joseph, before we started recording, his attack of the clones grimace. His like, little uh, oh, hand yeah. stamp on the <laughs> rail. Hand yeah. on hand, which we're not sure if that was a real railing, as you pointed <laughs> out to me. Um, it, it got me excited. Yeah. And again, it doesn't reveal anything. We've seen seen this speech. And it put the speech, because I've been very critical about the dialogue mm-hmm. and how it shows up. And in context, guess what? I have a little bit. I have a little bit more hope. Oh, good. Oh, good. It's a little bit of a rally. A you know, hope, hope, everybody. It's a horrible Felicity Jones. Um, um, she'll never go for a raspberry phosphate, phosphate with me now. Um, but I, I, I was encouraged by the scene. Oh, good. It, it was just a little morsel. Okay. I like yeah. It. I just, I apologize, Jennifer. I did not watch it. <laughs> that's okay. I, I didn't want to watch it either, you guys. And that's the thing, is that, like, I'm at the point, we're so close, I don't need to see anymore. Yeah. And I mean, especially yeah. if it is, that ends up being his one shot. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> right. I know, no right. Hamilton joke. Uh, if that ends up just being the one scene we have of Bale, I want to yeah. see it in the movie theater. Yeah, I think totally I think agree. Rogue One's going to be an embarrassment of riches where we, we're so excited about all of these various characters, and we're only going to yeah. see him for a second. Yeah. The main cast, there's not going to be enough. Yeah. We, we might have already seen every line of dialogue from Bayes Malbus for all we know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Some, mm-hmm. there, there's not going to be room for everything. So uh, I, I I'm holding on because there, there's that one that new clip shows Jin fighting stormtroopers or yeah. something. I didn't click on that. Me neither. I, I, I'm going to brag a little bit here. I am currently uh, eight days away from seeing this film. Nice. Oh. At the time of this recording. Wow. Eight effing days. Oh, my gosh. Six if I can sneak into the premiere, which I'm still trying. And <laughs> okay. And I'm trying to hold on, and, and we're, it's just like with Force Awakens, where you sometimes can't avoid it. I'll be watching a YouTube video, going trying to go to sleep, watching some ASMR video at night, trying to get <laughs> relaxed, and, uh, you know, a Rogue One commercial shows up. You sh- a car- Mark Ellis uh, Mark Ellis pointed out, you know, I love the new clip from Rogue One, or was that a car commercial? Can't tell. Like, I think I got so a close. spoiler from the cover of a Bed Bath & Beyond. <laughs> what? L- leaflet. No. I think there might... I, I think there might be a spoiler. Oh god. On the cover of Bed Bath and Beyond. Oh, that's yeah. troubling. 
But it's I mean, everywhere, man. These are the times That's we the live beyond. In. Right, right. But it won't be as bad and beyond what I wanted to see. For my mom, you know, who no, just, I'm not. so disappointed. Oh my gosh. Last week she was like, so wait, I'm still confused. Why is, why is uh, Daisy Ridley not in the film? I'm like, mom. Have I taught you nothing? Mom. Mom. <laughs> and then your mom says, oh, she's raised mom. I get it. No, no, <laughs> no. theories, mom. No. Right, right, right. Yeah, so, you know. Those are the people that read Bed, Bath & Beyond. Yeah. Absolutely. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot; we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Including myself. Um... Well, that's the news for this week. So that's the news. That's a lot yeah. of news. Yeah, as, we, lot. as we thought, Rogue One heavy, and it's going to be for a little bit until, uh, until believe it or not, soon, the episode eight hype. Yeah. Leave that station. That hype train going to be heading on out pretty, pretty soon. Yeah. Pretty Seconds soon. after Rogue One premieres. So uh, today we wanted to uh, go in, uh, into the excellent novel by James Lucino called Rogue One, a, 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 or excuse me, Catalyst, a Rogue One story. There's Rogue One, a Star Wars story, and there's Catalyst, a Rogue One story. <laughs> this is Catalyst, a Rogue One story. Came out just last month, November 15th, I do believe, here in America. And it has been generally well received by anyone and everybody who has read it. This is going to be our little bit of uh, review slash reaction. Uh, I've completed the book. Joseph, you completed the yeah. book. Jennifer, how, how are you? I am so close to finishing You're so it. so close. Oh my gosh, I was like reading last night as much as I could. So I'm I'm about like 60 pages away. But I know the ending. I know. Sure. So okay. I, I, yeah. So, okay. And I would say for any listeners who don't want any spoilers, yeah. like, hey, uh, I hope you enjoyed the first half of the episode. <laughs> because <laughs> now it's a, it's spoiler town. For we'll Catalyst. see you next week. Awooga, awooga. <laughs> yeah. Jump back in. We do have some fan questions at the end. So, uh, uh, hop around, have someone else in your household hop around to the show to find the audience questions yeah. at the end of this video. <laughs> but we are going to go full spoiler. Yeah. Full spoiler. So I'll start first in the sense of the anticipation for this book, for me, and I don't know if anyone else here or anyone else listening shared it, was very, very high just from the beginning, hearing the author attached. Um, I love what he did with the Darth Plagueis and Labyrinth of Evil and some of the other Star Wars stuff. And of course, Tarkin, which not the, it was a B plus, I keep saying, but there were some great juicy morsels in mm-hmm. there. So I was excited going in, plus he wrote the Robotech books, co-wrote in the 80s, something I grew up on. So I've always loved his work. And he seems to have, he really kind of can delve into some really cool things about about the, you know, Tarkin, he understands these characters, he understands Plagueis, and he always, definitely with the Darth Plagueis novel, understood the prequel era. On a, on a level other authors maybe haven't exhibited. So I was excited going in. Do you guys have did you guys have that same type of anticipation? Yeah, I was excited. I I I really like his style. Um I it's not my favorite of all the authors, mm-hmm. but he concentrates so specifically on that on on patching up prequel era mm-hmm. of adding things to prequel era. He clearly loves devious, tortured, evil uh, yeah. Bureaucrats. Yeah. So knowing that he would be dealing with all those things, I was really excited to see what he did with all those things. And I, I did enjoy the book. I enjoyed, I think, in particular, some of the new ideas to the Star Wars canon that mm-hmm. are clearly things that are being explored at right now mm-hmm. in all sorts of different media. Right. The, uh, the crystal stuff, obviously, which we can get into. It's great. Um, and also the introduction of the idea of characters who explicitly are aware of the Force, can kind of feel its existence, but would never use it. I yeah. really love that. Yeah, so the, I really, I think I enjoyed, you know, uh, expanding the palette of Star Wars. Yeah, I want to jump right in on that Force thing, because that's an interesting thing. Lor Santeca was uh, in Force Awakens, Max Vancito, C- and when you read about, read about the character, we all thought, he, you know, was he Kanan Jarrus, was he this, was he that, was he Boba Fett, and all of a sudden, hey, he's this old dude in a tent, um, and he's just... That's kind of who he was. Yeah. But the fact that he was like 
at this church of the force, yep. for me as an adult, at the time, 39-year-old male, the first time I'd really thought, oh, wait, yeah, the, the force, you know, is used by other people and known by other people, which is silly to think because in A New Hope, Jan Dodonna is the first one to say it. Yeah. He, he ain't no Jedi. Akbar's saying it. He ain't no Jedi. So I love that, yeah, and that we're going to get it in Rogue One with Jedi and all this kind of stuff and share it anyway. So it, that was a fascinating thing to kind of expand on that for me. Yeah, and I, I wonder if any sort of, like, terminology is going to come out because I feel like when your fans talk about it, any time that a character mentions being even remotely in tune with the Force, everybody thinks, like, oh, I bet they're going to be able to use it a little bit. Right. But now we've got Maz Kanata. We mm-hmm. explicitly have... Lyra Urso, mm-hmm. who explicitly says, I can kind of feel it. I intellectually look for ways that it might be affecting the galaxy, mm-hmm. but I could never move something with my mind. I could never yeah. have that power. Right. Uh, so I like that that is becoming explicit. I'm wondering, like, the Force-sensitive isn't quite right because mm-hmm. that's used for people who aren't Jedi. Yeah. So I'm, like, Force-aware. Yeah. Force friendly. <laughs> force, not quite force attuned. And Maz Kanata's in that kind of yeah. circle, too. So yeah. that's interesting there, too. And they took the, the deleted scene out yeah. where she used the force. So right. to me, in canon, she is force friendly. Right. Mm. Force, force <laughs> friendly. Hashtag force friendly. Yeah. Yeah. That was um, an interesting concept. I was really trying to wrap my head around that because, like you guys, it's like I've always associated, well, if you, if you are force sensitive, then you must be, you know, one with the force and be a Jedi. A Jedi. Be a Jedi. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Um, so I was trying to understand what would that feel like? And I guess it's almost like if you're a religious person, how mm-hmm. you might kind of feel that... You know, like there's a higher power or um, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Or like supernatural phenomenon. Maybe that's one way. Yeah. Right? And like the way it's expressed with Lyra, too, I think it is just sort of philosophically having some uh, a faith that being patient and caring uh-huh. towards everything right. will work out and is the right thing to do. Like, you know, don't devastate a planet. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If, you have, if people are telling you these crystals are sentient. Don't do horrible things to them. Right. So, like, bleed the blade. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I like that it is just presented as, in in some ways to me, uh, uh, a higher way of being human. Right. Mm -hmm. Of just don't try to force your will on everything. Mm -hmm. Be calm and flowing and trusting. Mm -hmm. So in other words, don't have a Twitter account. It just (laughs) sounds like what it is. Um, So the Ursos... And I say Urso, by the way. Does anyone else say it differently? Uh, I've heard some other Urso? people say Erso. No, Urso. No, I think, I think okay. that's, that's working hard. That's working hard? Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. I'm sticking with Urso. Urso. I'm saying Han instead of Han. You got to yeah. work for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, this definitely is, is a story about the Urso family. Mm-hmm. Um, Jen's all the way through this. She's a cute little toddler. Um, she's a young baby. Um, bored, actually. It starts before that, too. Um uh, her mother, Lyra, is already a very interesting character. I'm already, you know, regretting that we're probably not going to see much of her in Rogue One, Mm-mm. which is, I think, a bit of a tragedy. Maybe we yeah. get another story. She's like this Laura Croft-like kind of archaeologist type to me, right. you know, got, yeah. got some potential there. But it focuses a lot on Galen. And you've already brought up some great stuff, Joseph, but just Galen being this pacifist and kind of not being part of the war, but the war is going to come to you. And just and that makes science cool. Like makes a little science, science cool. nerd is the center of the story. Yeah. And I mean, I don't want to get in, into any sort of modern politics in per se, but it is interesting this is coming out right now when the theme is so much about you, you have to take a side. Mm. That right, right, right. Through everybody in this book, all these characters we meet, just want to go on with their life and say, like, mm-hmm. other people, I understand other people are having a conflict. 
right. in just this story of a conflict that is so consuming, both in the Clone Wars and then the creation of the Empire, right. that you have to have an opinion, <laughs> you know, yeah. or try to literally run away and hide. But then right. people are literally going to come for you. Come searching for you. <laughs> Galen represents all of those ideas mm-hmm. so, so well. Yeah. Yeah. Also You're, interesting, like the normalization of the empire and kind of like yeah. how people are just like, well, at least we're not at war anymore. Yeah. You know, things are okay. And yeah, the stormtroopers come in to break up a fight, which is a little weird or yeah. arrest people for a fight. Yeah, yeah. That seems a little odd, but it might, well, it might work out. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just building on all of what Lucas criticized. Lucas clearly hates fascism in all of its various mm-hmm. forms. Right. And this is getting into the minutia mm-hmm. of those things of them offering the scapegoats. Like, well, there's still those separatist anarchists. So, you know, right. we don't want to consolidate power. We just have to. And sorry, we might shoot up one or two places, but it's because of this other, this, you know, spooky, scary thing mm. that you can't see, but you should be afraid of. Yes. Oh, and if it gets a little bit too big and violent, then the media just doesn't cover it. Right. But don't worry about it. So... Right. When you go into a bar and you tell other people about it, you're kind of being a traitor mm-hmm. because the media didn't cover it and you can't prove it. We're post-fact. Like, <laughs> Ooh, the, yeah. There are so many little moments where it is just really he is so great at those kind of details in, in mm-hmm. the politics mm-hmm. of the galaxy mm-hmm. that really, really resonate of showing the growth of the empire. Yes. Yeah. No, and, and he was so good at that in Plagueis. That's what, he, that's yeah. what I loved about that book. It, it, it made the politics of... The separatists and the trade federation made it downright interesting. Yeah, mm. I think he is obsessed uh, with yep. making things make sense. And one particular detail that jumped yep. out at me is uh, listing what Tabana gas is for. He's <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> "Oh, James, you beautiful man. Like, <laughs> he wants things to be like." Yeah, I, I love that. He just is a little parenthetical. Mm, by yeah. the way, it cools hyperdrive systems. That's what it's That's for. What it's for. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to make for. this whole galaxy make sense. What are some of the other things jumping out that we really, really like and love about this book? Let's uh, dig in there. Um, I, I really, at first, it was a little, I don't want to say it was slow for me, but it was mm-hmm. like, you know, real character development, learning about Galen and, mm-hmm. and Lyra. And then it just started getting really exciting. Mm-hmm. And that's that's been uh, enjoyable for me. I like the character of Haas. Obit. Obit. Yeah. yeah. I think he is a, a, an interesting character, a lot of fun. I love him in the cantina, and just I would love to see that play out on screen well, somewhere. Here's the thing. What? Uh, Ori Marco, who is better known as Pruneface. Yes. Which is, you know, the same species as mm. has Obit. Yes. Ori Marco is not in the data bank anymore. So I think what? it might be possible that Ori Marco gets legend and. The Dressilian with the eye patch that we see in the Rebel Briefing in Return of the Jedi could become Hasobit. Interesting. Oh. You heard it here. Breaking theory from. <laughs> That's really interesting. I didn't know that they took him out of the databank. I mean, he's not in there because I've looked up wanting yeah. him to fight on databank brawl. Right. And Ori Marco is not in there. Ooh. Not in there. I'm typing in that name right now. Oh. I got my laptop out. Get to I'm the bottom of it. Uh, uh, you know, let's but, see. Yeah. Yeah, he's a great character. He and like is a he's great showing this other side of like Galen's a scientist and mm-hmm. has that classic like I don't want to make anything for weapons. I don't care about politics. I just want to make energy and I'm, you know, fa- obsessive scientist. Right. And then mm-hmm. Hasobit on the other side of it being like I don't want to break any huge laws, but I want to get involved in anybody's fight. I just yeah. want to make some money. Right. I love that. And neither of them can avoid the conflict. It's, it's so great to see that from a couple different sides. Exactly. Oh, sorry, I'm lost in this Hasobit uh, theory yeah. now here. You're so right. Oh, wow. It's, it's gone? Good. Well, it's gone, but I'm gone on on Wikipedia, but yeah, 
Uh, does he have a, a Canon tab on Wikipedia? He does have a Canon tab, and it's just very simple. Uh, what stuff we already know. Certainly nothing's been added here about him being Haas, but um, the legend says you'd expect to is would go loaded. Would lo- is loaded with Real things. deep. Like, yeah, yeah I think it's got his wife and his grandfather. It's and, a good theory, yeah. you know, and, and I would it's, – it's a touchy area because I don't like – even though – I think Filoni and or Pablo Hidalgo have come out and said, hey, the old guy with the beard and Jedi is Rex. Yeah. I'm like, right. ah, yeah. sure, I guess it is, but uh, or if you want it to be. But I, yeah. I, I, w- I wouldn't want it to be like, hey, turns out it's this guy, but yeah. I, I'd like to, some meat to that yeah. thing. But obviously mm. we can't go back and reshoot Jedi, or can we? <laughs> um, there are a couple of Drusillians standing yeah. around there in that, in that shot. Yeah. So maybe yeah, maybe he can be Interesting. there. But yeah, he's a great Ooh, character. I like that. I like that kind of stuff. Um, tying it up there. Um uh, what else? What I else for you, Justin? Think really for me, the the big thing was the Kyber crystals, and obviously oh, that's yeah. where we're going there. It's, we're in a brand new age of lightsabers. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're and it almost seems like the Star Wars Council was uh, sitting around, like, how can we really stir up the hornet's nest <laughs> with some like a, a big new idea to Star Wars? Right. In in really, uh, uh, no pun intended, crystallizing the idea of what the Kyber crystal is right that it is sentient that it is a kyber crystal that powers the death star mm-hmm. that yeah. they can change color that they do talk to their owners all of these ideas that are coming across in the ahsoka book yep in this catalyst book probably in the movie definitely in the movie and it, you saw it in clone wars where they really started to establish it. and and i think because of the expanded universe and just you know, we grew up with the the Kyber crystal from, uh, which is the Kyber crystal from Shad- uh, Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Just, yeah. It was always something in the back of our heads, but it wasn't something growing up. I never said the word Kyber crystal or thought about what powered lightsabers as a kid. No. Um, so now, because you know we have all this material to mine, yeah, we're gonna have it here, and it's just becoming more and more fascinating of 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 what it is and. The fact that only as early you know, 2012, the Clone Wars was still establishing it. The movie yeah. or the TV show was I still going. Here's what it is. Visual dictionaries had mm-hmm. that you, you you had to use the Force to place it, and that's why really Jedi right. only Jedi could have mm-hmm. the lightsaber. Right. Um, so yeah, there were burblings of it. It was always there like in Luke's Lucas's scripts too, in yeah. some form. So I love that we get to dive into it. more. Yeah. One yeah. of my favorite details is that it caused. Uh, uh, or so to not be able to sleep. Mm-hmm. Yes. And he almost became slightly like manic or it kind of felt like he was harnessing like the dark side. It was yeah. it was a little uh, suspicious. Yeah. Well, that he had that very scientific. I mean, it was basically like treating it like a lab rat of like, I understand you're sentient and that's what gives you your power. That's kind of gobbledygook to me. But how about if I try to shave some of you off and make you do what I want? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like, oh, that is that's dark. Yeah. Yeah. That was really interesting. Yeah. What about the prequel stuff, Joseph? Oh, I liked it. Uh, it's a little... Uh, I'm try, trying to track through the logic of when and who is responsible for the Death Star plans. There was a lot of that. It's uh, a lot of flippy-flop. Who had, I, I get the line. Separatists had it because maybe Dooku and Sidious wanted it, so they quote took it back but really was theirs all along but it gets yeah. it gets somewhat muddled. yeah in the the throwing around of where poggle the lesser is when to make everything track so that his appearances in clones sith and the yeah. clone wars animated series all work he's a but, hot potato yeah <laughs> yeah he, yeah hot potato with poggle the lesser uh, it was it was all fun and good right. um but yeah i i, I think th- so there was some of that that's 
like wow thread threading the narrative needle just to mm-hmm. make it all fit which is a little like yeah right, this right. is what's going to happen if we keep talking in the same time periods where you're going to have to do a lot of poggle the lesser dancing right <laughs> that's going to be coming like we now have a term for it yeah they really right. poggled the lesser to make that work <laughs> um but i think he's, he did so much of it in the darth Plagueis book which is not yeah. canon anymore but creating all of the systems that Luke has hinted at that are interesting, that do reflect their real life about banking and, uh, you know, resources and all of those things and propaganda mm-hmm. and all of the things that would truly come out of a complex system of commerce and war. He's so great at illustrating those mm-hmm. and making everything in mm-hmm. the prequels pop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Really kind of, uh, I was uh, in, in watching Sith the other day when the war ends uh, going to that scene where uh, you know Galen and, and Lyra are trying to climb up a mountain to escape, and all of a sudden the droids stop, and the war's over. Mm. Yeah. So I was watching Sith the other day and thinking, "Oh, that's that's awesome!" Because at that point, at this point, <gasps> that's happening. Yeah, and I got totally lost into the Star Wars story bubble yeah. of, uh, of of how the universe is now expanding again in a mm. correct, proper canon form. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Jennifer, you with the with, with with all this prequel era stuff, Oof. how did you take to it? Oof. I just was like, I need to go back and watch this. Because for to have those kind of moments, yeah. I would like that of kind of filling in or knowing, oh my gosh, at this time, this is happening. Yeah. I think that at first that, you know, my first impression about this book was, do I really need to read it? But I saw everyone online was like, sure. yes, if you're, if you're a Star Wars fan going into Rogue One, read this. And now I see why. Because it mm-hmm. really deepens, uh, at least I feel like it's going to deepen my mm-hmm. appreciation for Rogue One and also the prequels yeah. and the yeah. Star Wars universe in general. And the prequel era. Yeah, exactly. I like the drive-bys he does to constantly remind you, because it's nice and subtle, that Palpatine's weird gambit that Palpatine and Dooku were working together to orchestrate this war. And most people don't know. So like there's that one, there's several great throwaways, but I can't remember. I think it's from maybe even Tarkin's perspective, Mm -hmm. either Tarkin or Krennic saying, well, there's this droid foundry on this planet. Don't know how the Republic knew that, (laughs) but they did. So like there are all those little things of like, oh, well, that's just a reminder that this whole trauma that the galaxy went through is, Utterly fabricated. Yeah. Mm. Utter propaganda on By both sides. The Phantom Menace himself, yeah. Sheev Palpatine. Um, <laughs> thanks, Sheev. Thanks, Sheev. Yeah, there's some, some great stuff in that. Some of my favorite stuff in this uh, is of uh, of and around Krennic himself. Yeah. Who went from me taking, you know, I, I knew he was going to be a good character and trust what Ben Mendelsohn can do as an actor. Um, but, you know, taking little pot shots of he's an administrator, he's a director, he's holding business meters, meetings with Vader into sort of a Hans Landa uh, type character from uh, Inglorious Bastards, where it's this, he's he's smart, he's methodical, he's he's going to sit there and have a, a glass of tea or milk or, uh, you know, uh, you know a, a treat with yeah, why, why you got this tension of is he going to discover things? Um, and I like his working class kind of approach and background. He's an engineer, and I love the the battle with him and Tarkin. Oh, it's yeah, so good. really, really taking us into the inner workings of the Empire as the Empire transitioned and grew and became what it is. Um, that they all weren't high fiving and getting along. Yeah, I love that he seems to be the first villain that we've had who who will be on screen who is aware of his own sense of humor. Like he's mm. he's scary, but there's a, this little bit of wryness about him mm. yeah. that Tarkin's just officious and upper class, and yeah. he would never crack a joke. 
Yeah. And you get the sense that Krennic would say something really mean and cutting to you just to see how you react. So that there's like, <laughs> the character is aware of his little yeah. bit of dark humor. Yeah. You know, and Vader is never going to crack a joke. And right. Palpatine is uh, over the top in so many fun ways, but he he's not aware of it. Right. Mm. So I really, really like that about Krennic. I was also really curious to see how good of a job uh, James Luceno would do at differentiating Tarkin and Krennic. Yep. Right. Because the brilliant strategist in the mm-hmm. Empire is getting crowded yeah. between Tarkin and Krennic and Thrawn and right. the, the character in the Aftermath novels. And I mm-hmm. thought he did a great job of yeah. giving them different motivations, really painting Tarkin as upper class and wanting to control the galaxy and wanting to do things yeah. what he thinks is the right way, whereas Krennic is just sort of obsessed with this one product, right. this mm-hmm. one project, and his own rank. Yeah. Like, he doesn't have any sort of, like, yeah. aspirations to control the galaxy. He's just like, I was sitting in the back of Auditorium. Yeah. I didn't have as many buttons on my chest. <laughs> yeah. I want the most buttons. Right. I want to be sitting up front, and I want this thing to be done. There, I love that obsession. There was that, yeah. that was a fascinating chapter early on where he's talking about how close he could get to Palpatine and where he was sitting. Yeah, and, right. and yeah, you're right. He gets really kind of pouty with the rank stuff later. Yeah. It's really interesting. A man on the climb. And yeah, and, and Lucina has such a handle on Tarkin, obviously, having yeah. uh, written the book. Um, uh, he just kind of knows that character. You could kind of just hear, hear Peter Cushing's uh, voice. Through the through the words, I really like yeah. the interplay between between Tarkin, between Tarkin. and it's interesting because we're we're having to explain. Even now, you used to talk about getting muddled. And we talked about it before too. I'm sure the end of Tarkin, the novel. I uh, know you probably haven't read it, Jennifer. No, I haven't. Just a, a little chapter, a little section where it's like Tarkin coming back from his missions and taking over kind of the Death Star project in a way. I'm paraphrasing, but it's like, and he's kind of, it's like, oh, I should have done this sooner. So now it's like, now we have this other book to say that now you plug that other book into that sentence and, and it does start to get muddled, but in a fun way where now we're trying to connect all the dots. Yeah. It's very real world. It's not a sweeping, easy story of good and evil. It is a complex story of uh, evil, pedantic bureaucrats trying to outplay one another, which is funny. Uh, He's, he is great at making things make emotional sense. Like right. the, the Tarkin gets into this battle and he could back down, but he doesn't. And it is both tactical and pride. Right. And just in that moment, you're like, oh, yeah, that's the guy who wasn't going to leave the Death Star. Mm. Yeah. Even when the guy runs up and goes, you know, we're going to die. We're going to die. It's like, no. And in our moment of triumph? No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, great. Made it make sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just how good he is at Tarkin made me think about and appreciate how much all the different authors, kind of the main authors, bring out the part of Star Wars that makes the most sense to them. Yeah. Like if yeah. you follow Chuck Wendig on mm-hmm. Twitter, mm-hmm. he is an explosion of words and thoughts. Yes. So yeah. he writes explosive, fast paced books where there's humor and there's action and yeah. fights constantly. Yeah. And Claudia Gray is clearly like an emotional, thoughtful person. So she is writing thoughtful, emotional stories. Yeah. And then James Luciano, I think, is like, he's probably always playing eight games of chess. <laughs> <laughs> so he writes the bureaucratic chess players. And it's like, right. it's really cool to see I, who these authors are naturally come out and express yeah. the different parts of the Star Wars galaxy. It, it, yeah, it does start to work that way. It does start to work. You know, like I think with Aftermath, you're talking about Wendig. Yeah, it, it, it almost is fitting now because there's a lot going on. Yeah. And a lot of raw emotions going on post fall of the Galactic yeah. Empire. So that does make sense. Interesting observation there. Um, a couple other uh, things I liked and characters I liked. I actually liked Masameda's appearance. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All through this book and going back again, watching the prequels this week and, and being familiar with the character 
of course, from our even our discussions. But this is a guy we talk about how R2D2 knows everything and didn't have his memory wiped. This is a guy that knew everything, too. Yeah. And it's interesting to me that he's been there through all of it and even shows up going past all this stuff. Yeah, he's deep in Bloodline. In, yeah, deep into Bloodline. Oh, I'm trying to remember if I've gotten to that part. I think you'd remember. It's, it's, yeah. it's pretty significant. Ugh, okay. <laughs> 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 See, this is the thing with it's reading so much. all the books at the same time. Yeah. Oh, boy. It, there are a lot of details on characters. Tip yeah. my cap to you. For <laughs> I love how much he, he uh, lowers his horns to be menacing. Right. That, yep. Uh, forked you know, tongue. Forked oh, tongue, you know. Yeah. He lowered his horns to be menacing in our, uh, his appearance in Databank Brawl, so I was yep. glad to see. Okay, good. <laughs> it's canonical. Yeah, <laughs> it's canonical now. Or are they listening? Uh, that was good, too. And then, of course, I, I think we have to talk about uh, the guy who shows up at the end. So, Jennifer, yes, uh, you've, gotten to, you've gotten that far? or you've gotten, Okay. I'll just go ahead and say it, and right. I'll, we'll find out. And I'm talking about K2SO. Kidding. Saw Guerrero. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, this guy, he's, uh, he's historic, and he'll be the first character to transition from animated and book form to movie form. Right. Uh, even before Mara Jade. Um, so <laughs> I was caught off guard, surprised. I, I wasn't expecting it. No. I hadn't heard uh, Harloff did not spoil that for me, and I was <laughs> very excited to see and see how he ties into the story. Yeah, I was very – I thought it uh, drew his character well, and it made it so – if you've read the book, the second he steps on screen, you'll have a relationship with him. Yeah. Because uh, he was clearly is responsible in this book for the hope speeches. Mm-hmm. Darker version of hope. The, yeah. 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 But the like, you must resist. You must fight. You know, yeah. passivity is taking a choice. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So you get a clear sense of this very aggressive, like, nope, you must fight. You must fight. Always fight, fight, fight. Uh, and it's inspiring and interesting. And then a little bit of a tender relationship. With Jin, yeah. too, which mm-hmm. is like, oh, okay, great. She's not going to be meeting all of these people for the very first time cold. She's right. going to have a relationship with this battered old warrior. Which is what ties into one of the things we already know and kind of I love of this Jin Erso character is, is that it's a fully formed, going through some changes, I'm sure. But I like that, yeah, she didn't find this weird dude in a, in a hut. That I like it's someone she might have gone to for help, and Jin knows who she is, and she knows where she came from. Yeah. I like that kind of stuff. And so that really helped me when Sagarero shows up, ties into the story kind of organically. It wasn't thrown in. Yeah. It ties in with the, this hostile Obit storyline, and um, it worked. And I love his everyone's reaction to Saw is kind of this, I, a lot of respect, but kind of this crazy dude a little bit and like you know like this is yeah. a, you know they know he lost his sister in Onderon they know what he did and he even the rebels are like ooh that's really a rebel <laughs> like <laughs> yeah I'm signing some paperwork this guy will blow stuff up <laughs> right. yeah because yeah. we were just going to complain at the bar and he's like here's your blasters I'm like okay <laughs> yeah. yes sir yes sir yeah it gives yeah. him presence and, and weight and more presence and weight than he has in the yeah. uh, Clone Wars Mm-hmm. In the Clone Wars, it's his sister who's really the star of that arc. Yes. And he's in the background, so it was cool to to bring him in the forefront. Yeah, I, 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 I've been uh, rewatching a lot of the Clone Wars series, too, as well as catching up, or actually, for the first time, watching all the Gilmore Girls uh, seasons. So it's been a weird... <laughs> wow. uh, one minute. They're easy I'm, to confuse. Yeah, they're easy to confuse. Yeah, like which ones have got the battle droids? Um, so I'm working through all that, but I'm trying to get to season five, uh, which is uh, the Saw yeah. stuff, and I'm mm-hmm. definitely going to watch that before Rogue One. Um, definitely going to rewatch New Hope before Rogue One, and I right. might poke through this book again before <laughs> Rogue One. And for those listening, I don't think you have to. Rogue One's not a movie you have to study up for. No, but I think it's such an interesting time, and questions are starting to be answered, and maybe new ones asked, and in, in these books and the appearances of Saw and all those kind of characters start to tie a lot of things together 20 years of stuff 
yeah. gets starts to make sense. A lot of random fan questions, like, mm-hmm. what happened to all the Jedi's lightsabers? Oh, they right. ripped the crystals out of all of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of little things getting answered with how the Empire is growing. Yeah. Yes, yeah. The stuff about Geonosis, going back a little bit to that, and your theories about the, the, the those characters yeah. and those creatures and what the Empire did with them. That that was my one of my uh, two grievances okay. uh, with the book, is I thought it, would, it was going to answer a couple more questions than it did. Mm-hmm. So it does so much fancy footwork on the Geonosis involvement in the Death Star plans. Right. That I thought it was going to get to when and how exactly did most of them get wiped out. Mm -hmm. Because there's Mm -hmm. been, that was mentioned in the Tarkin book. Yeah. It kind of comes, it comes up in the Darth Vader comic early on. Yep. That most of them are wiped out. back there. But Vader happens to know where a queen is. Yeah. And does some incredibly weird yeah, things I'd, I'd with have, the queen. Yeah, I'd have to reread it again. Yeah, but you're right. Yeah, but it's, so it's been peppered throughout the new canon that the Geonosians were involved. That was the original build site of the Death Star. Yeah, but then they were were wiped out. And I keep wanting to find out what that exact story is. And I thought this book was going to tell us. Mm. That okay, they decided the Geonosians were done. They basically get fired, and then they wipe them out. Because it would see Rogue One, the movie would almost be too late for me. Yeah. Mm. So I don't yeah. know if there still is the comic book coming that's the, you know, Maybe. the great Geonation <laughs> <laughs> yeah. war. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 So I, lo- I loved hearing about it. I loved the details early on, and I wanted a little bit more closure because it seemed like the right place mm-hmm. to do it. But I'm sure there's some larger plan. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's a, if that's a negative, that's a small negative it's and a good a small one. small negative. Is there. One of the things I liked and what can transition to maybe some other negatives is it's a little detail for me uh, is the fact that overnight the Galactic Empire – is born. Yeah. You know, right. safe and secure society. The next day, there's an entire fleet of ships, new gear, equipment, outfits. And this kind of, there's little morsels and stuff where it wasn't as smooth transition as we thought. Yeah. Some of the old Clone War era battleships are there. Uh, uh, they'd mentioned TIE fighters being like, we don't have enough of them yet. Yeah. We're still building them. And I kind of, I kind of like that kind of geek stuff to get in there. The actual, not that I want a, a book on how the Republic became the Empire. Right. Who was making these uniforms. <laughs> but it was kind of interesting too, because it's still, just, it was a fast transition. Goes right. back to how much he makes it real. Mm-hmm. That they don't actually have enough troops or enough TIE fighters yet. Yeah. Right. And they don't want anyone to know that. Yeah. But Tarkin knows it. Yeah. I that's think that's good. absolutely great. That's good. Mm. Any negatives for you, uh, Jennifer, that pop up? Uh, you know, I really loved the relationship between Lyra and Galen. I mm-hmm. thought that it was a very real, and she helped understand his motivations and get in his head just by like the way that she interacted with him. I, yeah. She's such a great character, and I'm not at the part yet, which I know she she gets sent off to go and do mm-hmm. some sort of uh, exploring right, mm-hmm. with the, right. With the yeah. crystals. So I'm not I'm not sure if if she kind of gets her own there, but I I just would like to know more about her. Get, you know, I'm disappointed that in the film we're not going to see a lot of her. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but I do think, and this is why I would say that it, it is a great book to read before the film is that it deepens all these relationships so we see yep. you know uh, saw and Jin. we know that history and mm-hmm. galen and his wife who might die in this mm-hmm. film we get to see and learn all about that in this book so right that's my pitch that's uh one of the one of the things you like there yeah again uh, yeah it was it was a sweet relationship it was this mad scientist right and the uh, the woman who not it wasn't just the strong woman behind him it was a strong woman in front of him yes <laughs> like kind of pull yeah. him, come out of your lab and here's what uh, it, it was it was a great touching relationship yeah um yeah again a little shame 
We might not get more. We don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe this whole first act with her. We don't know. I, I doubt it. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I was expecting a little bit more resolution because I didn't don't know how much we're going to get with Lyra. And it would be a yeah. shame yes. if the movie just sort of quickly wipes mm-hmm. her aside. I think it probably kind of has to. Yeah. It has time to. Time-wise. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I was expecting maybe maybe a little bit more in the book. Yeah. Maybe in the prequel to Rogue One movie that we're, <laughs> we're going to get. Yeah. Maybe there. Uh, anything negative jumps out to you, Jennifer, that, uh, so far? Not at the moment. Not mm-hmm. at the moment. I'm still, you know, uh, 100 pages yeah. off or whatever. I wanted to. Oh, yeah. So I know you're not totally at the end, but I wanted to specifically ask you, I feel like, now I'm not a parent, so I don't know kids as well, but I feel like Jin is written so well <laughs> to give that spark of personality oh. and that spark of defiance in the way a child would so it doesn't come across as too much like nobody's really looking at her going like yep someday she's gonna be a fighter but yeah did you are you happy with the way that kid is being written brilliant brilliant i as a as a parent and just even like how you know she's she's there but she's like off running doing something yeah she's Mm -hmm. being curious and getting into mischief or whatever and that was so real and it's what i'm experiencing right what right now with my (laughs) daughter as i was trying to read the book and I'm like oh, there she goes climbing up the chair again it was so I don't know if he has children but it mm-hmm. was so authentic I yeah. loved that yeah I love that there's I don't know if you're at this yet but there's a passage where it's just like she was going to show everyone what was in her backpack oh, like that's such a kid yeah. thing to do right. just like I'm just fixated on this one thing that I am going <laughs> right. to show you no matter what like, right uh, it's great oh, yeah I love, I love that. that you know for me I gotta say I'm trying to even rack my brain I've got I've got the plot summary up here I'm trying to say is there something I didn't like about this book and I gotta be honest it's one of my favorite ones really? Lost Stars had a more sweeping thing, but even Lost Stars for me, I was like chapter four, about ready to slow down my reading of it when it picked up. Mm. Uh, this one, yeah, there's some dense stuff and some stuff that kind of, if you're reading late at night and you're reading about the science of kyber crystals and everything, you kind of go. But it just, for me, played out really well. And when it ended, and and they're on uh, the planet Lamu, which is what we believe we're going to see at the beginning, or at least a flashback, yeah. mm-hmm. I was literally excited, can't wait for this movie. Like, oh, it's set up. It was kind of yeah. like at the end of Sith when, say what you will about the prequels if you're out there listening, but if you get to the end of Sith, I know a lot of people are like, the last 10, 15 minutes, you're kind of like geeked up and ready for a new hope. Yeah. yeah. That's what I felt this book. So really, I'm, I, I I couldn't couldn't say anything overtly negative. Yeah. yeah. I think the only things that were negative for me were like oh, omissions of things that yes. I had hoped would be resolved a little bit more. I hoped it would cross into a little bit more of, it dealt with a lot of the delays with the Death Star, but not the big one. Mm-hmm. In time, so I'm right. curious to see that. It made me nervous of some of the information that was foisting onto yeah. Rogue One itself to deliver. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot there. You know, and you go into the uh, Death Star conference scene from New Hope, and the battle station's not yet fully operational. All that kind of stuff. There's still some big delays and still some stuff going on. So I hope I hope we get some answers. Yeah. Otherwise, right. it's a prequel comic <laughs> or something like that. So that is kind of our look at Rogue One's uh, novel, the prequel novel, as it were, Catalyst, a Rogue One story, which is setting up Rogue One, a Star Wars story. There's a lot of stories in the Star Wars <laughs> universe. If you've read the book and you listen and you want to join this conversation, reach out to us on Twitter, or better yet, go to our Facebook page where you can write out a little bit more than 140 characters. Send, a, send us a message. Say what you liked about the book. Say what you didn't like about the book. Join the conversation with us. This, to me, is one of my favorite books, like I said. And, Joseph, the final little question is 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 this is this kind of a good place for the novels to go going forward because there's so many and so many more to come 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think this is a better strategy, clearly, than what they did with The Journey to the Force Awakens, because mm-hmm. it gets us excited for the movie instead of making it... It makes it about story and theme instead of a guessing game. Yeah. So when people were reading Journey to the Force Awakens, they're like, oh, I'm memorizing this planet in case it pops yeah. up so I can kind of pat myself on the back that I knew about this planet before other people did. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's just kind of trivia. That's not deep. Right. right. And this stuff is deep. We're going to go in with opinions about the characters in the galaxy and right. the story. Which So I think that is great. Um, only downside is it, it, this is just a this is a prequel book. Yeah. It is only satisfying to close that final page knowing yeah. you can go watch the movie. Mm. Yeah. If not, <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. It That's, definitely, definitely is definitely leading directly up to possibly the the the, the yeah. flashback or start of this movie. We'll yeah. see. But yeah, you're right. I, I wonder if the standalone story maybe would have been. Ended in a different way? I think so. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Interesting. I don't know. Uh, so from there, guys, we're going to take some audience questions on this episode and uh, the time we have left. So, uh, Joseph, we got some good ones. Yeah, that's right. From Clone Wars, Caleb at CNM67, he asks, uh, did Vader try to seek out Obi-Wan or did he assume him dead? So did Vader ever say to himself, you know what? Mm-hmm. I got a little time off. They got the emperor off my back. I am full of anger. I don't know if Obi-Wan's dead. Mm-hmm. His lightsaber never turned up for me to pull the crystal out right. of. Right. I'm not going to go find him. Mm. Uh, and I want to, the way he says in A New Hope, you shouldn't have come back. Right. I want him to think, well, maybe he died somewhere. Right. But I'm aware that he just ran away. And yeah. it, that, in a way, I think is enough triumph for Vader. Yes. Could be. And there's that line of, you know, a presence I haven't felt since. And Vader wanders off in A New Hope. And yeah. Now we're seeing stuff in the uh, the comics and Vader's search for the kid that killed the Death Star and the discovery of his son. And there is a return to Tatooine. There's all these kind of interesting things that, again, because of reestablishing this canon, we're, we're stepping over our footprints sometimes a yeah. little bit. Um, I like to believe that he, he never really did. That he that he didn't sense him and maybe felt either he's dead or like you said running away. Yeah, I don't know, Jennifer. You, yeah. yeah, I think that I think that he didn't seek him out. I don't know if he really sensed him, but I have a feeling that he knew he wasn't dead. Yeah. But he was just gone, and that he was going to be okay. But like he said, now that you know, once he came back, then he has to deal with him. Yeah. He's not going to seek him out. So I think he knew of his existence, didn't necessarily feel anything overwhelming, though, to go and seek him out. Yeah, I think, sense. yeah, the way that the Vader and Emperor story has been being told in new canon, it maybe, maybe would have revealed too much of an attachment to his previous life if Vader mm. said to the Emperor, like, you know what, yeah. I'm hung up on my old master, I'm going to go find and kill him. Right. Yeah. It's enough of a defeat that, I mean, Anakin Vader knows that, oh, for Obi-Wan to just hide. Yeah, he knows that he's defeated him. Right? Yeah, that's a horrible defeat in and of itself. So. That's a good way too to think about it too. I yeah. didn't really yeah. think of those terms of him. Vader almost maybe he maybe he did have this thought. He's like, I can't I can't tell Daddy Emperor that I, I want to go kill him. Yeah, <laughs> can't do it because he builds clones and tries to kill me. <laughs> he's gonna turn another Moncala into a weird <laughs> cyborg. Oh. Uh, Next question is from Mike Konitsko, uh, and he says, Since all Sith Lords use Darth at the beginning of their name, do the Knights of Ren all use Ren as their surname? Hmm. Well, that's a good one. Great question. That's a great question. I don't know, Jennifer. What do you think? I've thought about this, and I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would assume, yeah. Would you like that? Would you like it if uh, David Wren showed up in the next uh, film? Jen Wren. Jen Wren. Um, I think, yeah, I think it makes sense. I don't know. I, they've, I've got to explore this Knights of Ren thing somehow. Yeah. If you had told me just 
on the fly, hey, what if they're all last name Run? I'd be like, nah, kind of silly. But to phrase it this way, it was, hey, well, Darth was pretty common. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. I guess that makes sense. And uh, I still, if I had to say a choice, I'd say no, maybe only the special few. Maybe the leader of the Knights of Ren takes the name. Yeah. Mm. Um, otherwise, I don't, I don't know. But it, yeah, it kind of would make sense. Yeah. We, but you're right. We got to learn on who, Suppose who, the other, yeah, they, who these guys are. Kylo could be the new Darth. Yeah. So it could be, you know, uh, Kylo Steve. <laughs> I don't know why I'm suggesting Dave and Steve all these horrible names, but you guys know what I mean. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I think that might be cool. Might mm-hmm. be too close to the Sith tradition, and I might want the Knights of Ren to be a little bit more different. So, yeah. mm-hmm. so yeah. kind of cool. Kind of hope not. That's a great question, though, Mike. Uh, we will revisit it, I think, more closer to Episode 8. Chris Whitehead at Osiris292 asks, If Jedi find their own crystals that call to them, what does that mean when lightsabers are passed down? Great new question. Ooh. All of our new crystal learning times. That is a that's great a question. question. In doing some research for writing a, a Collider video that's coming out, um, or actually by the time you're listening, it's already out, the Collider Crash Course on Kyber Crystals, and doing the research and discovering, really, and going into what the gathering is for younglings and everything, mm-hmm. which is cool and impressive stuff, that's one of the thoughts I had is, well, but Luke just got his dad's lightsaber, and, there, and then there's an attack of the clones. Both Anakin and Obi-Wan are lightsaberless and then two are thrown to them yeah uh, i kind of really like that it's just yeah. like that explains even more why they were off their game yeah. fighting dooku yeah that like they weren't they weren't they, they were tuned so like yeah they can still will weed the, uh, wield, wield them, them yeah but it's not that same level of yeah. innate connection mm-hmm. um, and it does again speaks to this Wonderful, brave new world of of, of canon. This yeah. word that that dominates our lives now as Star Wars fans. But yeah, because you're going to have those moments that you look back and go, "Well," and sometimes maybe just we can let it slide. But it's a it's a it's a great question. Yeah, you it's, can make up your deep. head cannon. I don't know, yeah. Jennifer. If I threw you a lightsaber, would you be able to just kill somebody with it right now? I don't think so. <laughs> I'm, I almost thought of it like a mood ring, right? So it's not yeah. gonna it's not gonna change colors or uh, yeah yeah yeah. You get my point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I do like that. I think that in, it kind of in canon with the, that's what's going on in the Force Awakens that it's it's calling to Ray. Yeah, right. I mean, now we know it's that's a crystal. Yeah, we mm. we wondered about it. Now we know it's a crystal. Yeah. Uh, final question is from Brian Walter at Brian Walter on Twitter. Oof. What job pays better, a moof milker or nerf herder? <laughs> nice, solid, deep question to close us out. Absolutely, mm. I think. I don't know. I'm going with Nerf Herder. Me too. It to me, it's like a cattle baron. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. I think a Nerf Herder is somebody who has not not a super pleasant job. There's probably a lot of Nerf poo to be <laughs> waded through. But I think it's probably a good job for kind of a, a rugged but mm-hmm. maybe uh, indelicate guy. Moof milker. That's just some lonely idiot in a space barn, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's exactly. I, I've, I'm trying to think of in terms of the insults that were used. Yeah, Han saying some moof milker just seems like some kind of simpleton milking some creature, like you said yeah. in the barn. Right. Where a nerf herder, nerf herder is a scruffy, dirty, smelly. You ain't as suave as you think, Han Solo kind yeah. of guy. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going nerf herders are yeah. loaded moof milkers. Barely getting by. <laughs> Barely getting Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, and also, if you were in the band Nerf Herder, it probably paid pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, so that's it for our audience questions. That's so, great. It. Those are good. Great ones. Great questions. Another fun episode. We want to thank everyone who hey, thank to everyone uh, who thanks. Thank, I'm dropping S's and putting them in weird places. There. <laughs> um, and thanks to everyone who reached out on it's the Twitter. crystal inside your it's, microphone. Yes, yeah, it's fighting ah. you. Yeah, it just, just got passed on to me. It's, it's, <laughs> it's uh, some uh, random Jedi threw it to me while I was writing a reek. Um, uh, thanks for reaching out on Twitter. You can follow us at Force Center Pod. Send us a question there. Use the hashtag Force Center or the hashtag Force Center Pod. And of course, on Facebook, you can send us longer messages, shorter messages, pictures. Do whatever you want. But we are trying to get a lot of attention on the Facebook page. That's our goal for this month of December. Joseph, we are trying to get the uh, likes over a thousand. That's right. And uh, we started making this ask last week, and you guys are already piling into Facebook. And we asked for specific questions. It's uh, so great to have as many of you possible at Force Center. And answer all of those questions and give us your feedback right in the comments is great. So keep on coming to Facebook. Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, you know, it, it's help. It's it, it's fun to have those likes. It, it just makes us feel so important. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we are we are getting there. Um, you know, in this age of social media where everyone's got something, uh, we appreciate you taking the time and, and and liking and subscribing and rating and reviewing. And uh, you can do that as well on iTunes with the podcast. That really helps. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review uh, on there. But like that Facebook page. So that's it for this week guys we're gonna get ready for rogue one next week's episode will be a what do we want from rogue one a star wars story the movie will be all out fun prognostication predictions and wishes but until then uh guys say goodbye to the fine folks and tell them where they can find you jennifer oh yeah you can find me on twitter instagram and facebook at jennifer landa <laughs> That's, That's it. <laughs> it's so so beautiful and perfect. Uh, you guys can find me on social media, uh, Instagram and Twitter in particular is at Joseph Scrimshaw. Please follow me on Twitter uh, because Mark Camel is still following me. It's Every so once in awesome. a while he likes my tweets. It's very, very strange. Uh, but I feel the more people who follow me will make Mark Hamill say, I have made a good decision. I'm going <laughs> to stick with this. So please uh, do your part in helping Mark Hamill to continue following me every it. once in a while, liking random Star Wars jokes and other jokes, too. It's very weird. Uh, you it. can also find my uh, podcast, Obsessed, on my website, josephscrimshaw.com. Got an episode coming out all about Dragon Ball Z. And uh, got a big New Year's show coming up in Los Angeles. So if you're in Los Angeles, join us there. Info on that on my website, josephscrimshaw.com. Absolutely. You can follow me at Ken Absock across all social media platforms. Guys, we are getting so close to Rogue One, a Star Wars story. So until next time... Just go ahead and uh, try to be a good move milker. See you next time. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.